0: You're listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au Good morning and welcome to City Edge's Sunday message for Sunday the 29th of March 2020. As I was preparing this message, it was a lovely beautiful warm day outside. The sun was shining, the birds were chirping, uh, the the gentle breeze was blowing and uh, it was one of those days where you relax, stretch out, enjoy the warmth and enjoy. All is well with the world. Except it isn't. The lack of traffic noise reminds me that we're all in lockdown. We're all self-isolating. We're social distancing. Both terms that I'd never heard just a couple of months ago, I couldn't even imagine those terms. But now I can't escape them. Now I'm self-isolating, and I hope you are too. My biggest fear now is not that I'll catch the virus. My biggest fear is that I'll go stir-crazy from being stuck inside all day, every day. But at least I've got a large enough home to be able to move around in and to get some space in Spare a thought for those students who are living in shared accommodation or uh, people renting a, a studio apartment where they just have no escape. They're confined to their room. It must feel like solitary confinement for them. Spare a thought and a prayer for those who can't self-isolate our essential services, the ones that are on the front lines of the battle against this virus and uh, care for people, doctors, nurses, hospital staff, AMBOs, police, various others that uh, that have no choice but to work through this crisis and uh, put themselves at risk as they do it. So would you join me as we pray for them firstly, Lord, would you protect them, protect them from catching the virus, protect them from getting run down and exhausted, protect them Lord from getting frustrated and angry and protect them from frustrated and angry patients Lord that would lash out in their fear and their confusion. Protect them, Lord, we pray. And we pray for the safety of those who serve us by working in petrol stations and supermarkets and other stores that are essential services, other businesses that have to continue. We pray also for those in the supply chain, Lord. Would you protect them as well? Father, would you help those who have lost their jobs because of this crisis? Comfort them. Give them hope, Lord, we pray now. We pray for doors to open up for them for employment and income in the near future. For those of us who still have our jobs, Lord, I pray that we will keep our our jobs, that our employers will survive this crisis and uh, we'll be able to go on uh, in the future. Help as many of us as possible to continue to work, Lord, so that we can not only provide for our families, and keep the economy ticking over, but also, and maybe more importantly, Lord, so that we can be generous to those in need. Amen. This coronavirus has turned the world upside down. We've never seen anything like it before, and uh, pray God that we don't see anything like it again. But what's the source of this virus? I don't mean what is the physical source, where have the doctors and scientists traced it back to, But what is the spiritual source of this virus? Is it the devil's work or is it God's work? No doubt there's plenty of Christians who conclude that this must be the work of the devil. After all, the devil is our enemy. He is always at work to harm us in some way or another. The Bible tells us about the spiritual forces of evil that oppose Christians relentlessly. So it's not unreasonable to assume that this must be the devil's work. It must surely be the devil's work, because if it's God's work, if, if it's God's work, does that mean that God is not good? And if God is good, why would he send something so destructive to us? But I've have a couple of problems with the idea that this is the devil's work. The first is that the devil's on a chain. The devil cannot do anything except what God has permitted him to do. The devil's not even in charge of his own activities. He can do nothing without seeking and gaining God's permission first. Not convinced? Read the first few chapters of Job. Job was a righteous man, and uh, the devil wanted to torment and afflict Job. But he could not touch Job unless God gave him permission to do so. And when God did grant the devil permission to touch Job and to afflict him, The devil could only do as much as the Lord would allow him to do. And not one scrap more could the devil do. And at the other end of the Bible, check out Revelation 20, where an angel chains the devil up for a thousand years and throws him into a pit. Do you imagine that if the devil was able to escape those chains, that he wouldn't do so? When God puts a boundary on the devil... The devil can do nothing and nothing more. For the devil's not an autonomous being. He's not self-governing. He is subject to whatever boundaries and restrictions God puts on him and he can't do anything more and he can't do anything about it. But then that must mean that this virus is sent by God or at least it's permitted by God. And I can almost hear people protesting, I can't believe in a God like that. Again, I would say, Read your Bible. Read about the Hebrew people who end up in slavery in Egypt. Read about David's sin in 1 Chronicles 20 that led to a great plague that killed 70,000 men. See who it is that claims responsibility for that plague. Or read of the horrific siege of Jerusalem that led to the ensuing captivity of the people. Read about it in Lamentations, where it's so graphically And awfully portrayed. Now, all of these people were God's chosen people, His treasured possession, the Bible calls them, and they all suffered under His mighty hand. The Bible is full of examples of this sort of thing. Now, the current pandemic, of course, affects everyone, not just God's chosen people, not just Christians. So why would we assume that it's only believers that face affliction from the Lord and that unbelievers are immune to anything that he sends? In fact, if we jump forward to the book of Revelation in chapter 6, war and famine and plague are sent out from the throne room of God on everyone. There's one other reason that we need to understand and I'd say accept that this is actually God's responsibility If the devil was able able to overrule God and run riot, then we can have no confidence at all in our future. We can have no confidence in God's ability to fulfill his promises to us. How can the Lord make a promise like he does in Romans 8.28? What if the devil stops him? How can Jesus promise, I will never leave you nor forsake you if the devil can overrule him? If there is a single area... Where the devil can do as he pleases, then we're in trouble. For we can have no confidence in God to achieve his plans and purposes in this world. And let me just say, I can't believe in a God like that. Rather, my God is in charge of everything. The good things that happen and the bad things that happen. Now, no, that's not a very comforting thought for most people. That's disturbing to most Christians. So what's the point of all this gloom and doom? Just this. Christians should not be shaken by COVID-19 or tsunamis or earthquakes or other major disasters and tragedies. God has not lost control. The devil may be the ruler of this world, but his power lies only in deceit and lies and false promises. He's very effective in that, to be sure. Make no bones about that. He is very effective in that. But the devil has no power over natural disasters or pandemics. Rather, God is in control of all of this. But, of course, that raises the question, doesn't that make him a bad God, an unloving God, the sort of God that many people uh, say they can't believe in because he is such a nasty God? What happened to the God of love of the Bible? The God who only does nice things for us. The God who wants us to be healthy, wealthy and wise. I suppose all of us realise that we have, have to experience some unpleasant things in our lives for our benefit. Things that hurt us, but things that are done for our health and our growth. Getting a tooth pulled out, for example, is an unpleasant thing. Painful experience and it remains painful for days after as it heals. But if the tooth is decayed and infected, you need to get it pulled out. It hurts, but it's good. Or think of a parent training their child, for example. The child wants to do what the child wants to do. He doesn't want to stop playing. He doesn't want to eat his vegetables. He doesn't want to go to bed. And sometimes, Disciplines required to train that child to do what is best for them. The father doesn't like doing it. The child certainly doesn't like receiving it. But it's a necessary part of the child's training. The problem is, of course, that the child can't see the big picture of what the father is doing when he disciplines him. These are very basic, very simple illustrations of how God works and how God works with us. Now, to be sure, God doesn't send bad stuff our way because he's unpredictable or nasty or impulsive or out of control. Rather, he sends it because he loves us. He sends it because he loves us. Now, that's a radical thought. But just like the father has to make his son eat his vegetables because they're good for him, so our father sends some of these things to us to train us to trust him to rely on Him, to learn to love Him in any circumstance. Friends, there's a much bigger picture here of what God is planning to do with this crisis. We just can't see that picture. We can't see the reason, the purpose and the goal of this training. One day we will. In the meantime, we have to trust that God is doing it for all for our good. That, my friends called faith. If you have your Bible handy, and you should since you're self-isolating at home, open it up to Hebrews chapter 12. The writer to the Hebrews tells us in verse 6, Have you forgotten the exhortation addressed to you as sons? My son, do not scorn the Lord's discipline or give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son he accepts. Endure your suffering as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you do not experience discipline, something all sons have shared in, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Besides, we have experienced discipline from our earthly fathers and we respected them. Shall we not submit ourselves all the more to the Father of spirits and receive life? For they disciplined us for a little while as seemed good to them, but he does so for our benefit, that we may share in his holiness. Now all discipline seems painful at the time, not joyful, but later it produces the fruit of peace and righteousness for those trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your listless hands and your weak knees, and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but be healed. Did you notice there in verses 9, 10, and 11 that God reveals at least one reason and three goals of His discipline? Firstly, discipline from God reveals that we are His sons and daughters. And then secondly, discipline from God is designed to bring us life. That's important. It's not designed to harm us, but it's designed to give, bring us life. Thirdly, discipline from God prepares us to share in His holiness. Then, discipline from God produces the fruit of peace and righteousness later, not straight away. And then, finally, don't miss the fact that this discipline is for a little while, it's not forever. At least, it's not forever if you're a Christian. It's only for a time, and it's all for a purpose. But if you're not a Christian, let me tell you, you have much more serious things to worry about than coronavirus. Friends, if you put your trust in Christ today, this is how you should be looking at this current disaster, as well as every other one that seems to happen completely at random. Will you come to the other end of this crisis with your trust in Him increased, deeper, more solid, More stable? Or will it rattle you? Will it make you question God? Will you question His faithfulness, His power, His control? Make no mistake, our God is in control. He hasn't taken His hands off the steering wheel, He hasn't turned His back on His people. He's not scrambling to work out a solution to this problem. God is in control. Therefore, Strengthen your listless hands and your weak knees. Don't be frightened. Don't be anxious. Don't be worried. Our God reigns. And he is working things out precisely the way he wants to. For his glory and for our good. But it's hard to have hope when we're locked in our our own homes for fear of catching the virus. It's hard to have hope when we're bombarded with bad news reports of more people getting sick and dying every day. But in spite of this unprecedented crisis, and in fact because of this unprecedented crisis, I have hope. I have hope for us as Christians. I have hope for us as a local church. And I have hope, exceeding hope, for the church universal. And you want to know why I have hope, why I have exceeding hope? Because God is in control and because the gospel thrives in adverse conditions. It always has and it always will. You only have to read the book of Acts to see that or study church history, especially the first couple of centuries of it or the Reformation period of the 16th century The gospel thrives in adverse conditions. But the gospel usually begins to thrive through unlikely and unexpected and even insignificant events. For who has despised the day of small things, the Lord said through the prophet Zechariah? I'll give you an example of a seemingly small thing. In the late 19th century, Robert Bruce, a Scottish missionary, to the Iranian Muslims, wrote home to his supporters, I'm not reaping the harvest. I scarcely claim to be sowing the seed. I'm hardly ploughing the soil, but I'm gathering out stones. That too is missionary work. Let it be supported by loving sympathy and fervent prayer. Today, the fastest growing church in the world is in an almost un- unlikely place, Iran, the same place that Robert Bruce laboured to pick stones out of the soil so the gospel could grow there. Now, Iran has a 5,000-year history. Iran has been a Muslim nation for 1,300 years. It's been ruled with an iron fist by Muslim religious leaders for the last 40 years. The laws of man would be replaced by the laws of Allah, was the promise of these religious leaders 40 years ago. Any who reject Islam and convert to another religion could be, and quite often are, punished by death. 40 years ago, there were around 500 known Christians in Iran. Today, Iran has the fastest-growing church in the world. Current estimates are somewhere around a million, um, possibly as many as three million A friend was telling me just last week that there have been thousands converting to Christianity every day in Iran in recent years, all in a nation that would have no hesitation to execute them for conversion. How is it possible? Because God is in control and because the gospel thrives in adverse situations. It always has, it always will. Read history. Read your Bible. Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loses his life, whoever loves his life, loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Don't these Iranian Christians realize that they may die for turning to Christ? Of course they do. And many have already have. But Christians in Iran have discovered that there is a treasure worth dying for. Iran, interestingly, is also one of the hotspots of COVID-19. That makes it fertile soil for the gospel, for a message of hope, a message of peace, a message of comfort and a message of eternal security. So why is it that the gospel thrives in adverse conditions? And why is the current crisis reason for us to have hope? I had a sense at the beginning of this year that 2020 would be a testing time for Christians in Australia. And it is, but it's not testing for the reasons I thought it would be. I thought it would be the opposition, the increasing opposition we were we were facing from society and the potential for persecution. Turns out it's much more serious than opposition and persecution. We aren't facing persecution in Australia, not yet, anyway. In fact, the voices that protested so loudly against Christians only a few months ago are strangely silent today. They have more important things on their mind, like their own mortality. Everything we humans have trusted in all this time has been shaken. Everything is crashing down. Our ability to earn money for that new car, the boat, the holiday overseas, the private school education for our kids is mostly gone. Our economy is collapsing. Our freedom to travel where and when we like has disappeared. Even the choice to meet friends in a restaurant or a cafe or go to the movies has been stripped from us. Our investments have all lost money. If we we're hoping their our superannuation will allow us to retire, then we can forget about retirement for now. We'll have to keep working, assuming, of course, you've still got a job. And so many are losing their jobs. So many potentially are losing their homes. Already there's large numbers dependent on government support or their extended family to get by. For some people, even where the next meal is coming from, is uncertain. Our healthcare system is on the verge of collapse from overload and from overwork. Every day brings new reports of the more virus and increasing death toll. Someone has said that it's not really the coronavirus that we fear the most, that the coronavirus, the fear of that, is just a symptom of a deeper disease. What we fear most, this person says, and I think he's right, what we fear most is the loss of control. Or probably more accurately, the loss of the illusion of control. Because really, this control that we think we have over our lives is only imaginary. God has shown up just how deceptive our belief in control over our own lives is, in control over anything Whether we're Christians or unbelievers, we are confronted now with the reality that we are not in control because nothing is the same anymore. Nothing is normal anymore. But thank God that we have a God who is in control. This crisis is, in my estimation, providing fertile soil For the seed of the gospel to live. We've never seen the likes of this worldwide chaos. My friend who told me about the Iranian Christians also told me another interesting story. He had a man come to him during the week seeking answers. Now this man had used meditation all his life to find peace. It was so helpful for him that he'd been teaching others meditation for the last 40 years. But he came to my friend and said... I've been teaching meditation for 40 years. I spent three hours in meditation the other day, looking for peace and seeking answers. But I found nothing. Why do you have peace? What is it that gives you peace? And my friend tells me of unsaved people coming to him and coming to some of his friends, looking for input, for encouragement, for peace. It's fertile soil, friends. It's fertile soil. This is the sort of soil that Robert Bruce laboured so hard to prepare in Iran. And we have it for us right here, right now, thanks to our Heavenly Father. When we Christians have peace in the midst of chaos or of persecution, we've got something that no one else has. That makes us lights for our communities. This means we have something to offer the rest of the world. We have something to offer the ones who don't yet know the gracious, loving hand of our Heavenly Father. I might be so bold as to say here that I don't think the devil has a single thing to do with coronavirus. Not really. I don't and I don't believe that this was just an accident. Nothing just happens without a reason. I believe God is the one who pulled the rug out from under us and has pulled the rug out from under the whole world. Everything is crashing down around us. Now I realise many people will struggle with this idea but I believe that's exactly what God is doing and means to do. No doubt the devil is trying to capitalise on the uncertainty and the fear and the chaos. That's what he does. That's his job but the gospel thrives in adverse conditions. There's probably never been a better time in history for Christians to spread the message of Christ, a message of peace, a message of hope, a message of confidence about the future. The early church had ideal conditions for the time to spread the gospel. There was the Pax Romana, the Roman peace, There were good road systems. There was a common language that was spoken right across the Roman Empire. But we have better conditions, my friend. We have pretty much the whole world connected by the internet. Every one of us may be forced to stay indoors, but every one of us is also able to connect with virtually anyone else anywhere in the world. What a great opportunity we have to spread the gospel of the good news of reconciliation with the Father through Jesus Christ. Through the blood of Jesus Christ. What well, a great opportunity we have to spread the gospel of eternal peace, comfort, eternal life. We can serve our neighbours in practical ways as well of course. I spoke a little about that last week and I've posted some links on our website and on our Facebook page for some ways that you can help out your neighbours in practical ways, I'd encourage you to seriously consider how you can use this crisis to serve your neighbour, to encourage other believers and to share the gospel with the rest of the world. And when I say I'm confident about the future, I'm not talking about the future of our economy. Who knows? That may never recover. Now, I'm talking about confidence in God's care. I'm talking about confidence that those who are in God's hand will never fall out. I'm talking about confidence in a kingdom that can never be shaken. I hope you have the same confidence, fellow Christian. Where is your confidence? Where is your hope? If you've cast your anchor out onto the world, onto your job, or your health, or your wealth, or your reputation... You have an anchor that cannot hold. Current events have shown us that graphically. In Luke's gospel, Jesus told a story that's more relevant for us today than than probably ever has been. It's the story about a rich man who is storing up his riches for himself so that one day he can kick back, relax, and enjoy his retirement, his good luck, his fortune. But it was stripped from him. In one night. Where is your treasure now? Where is your wealth? Where is your security? If your treasure is not Jesus Christ. It is dust in the wind. The events of the last few months. Have rammed that home to us. If your treasure is not Jesus Christ. It is dust in the wind. Friends. There are a few unshakable truths that I hold to. God is in control. In good times and in bad times, God is in control. He is a loving father who will only ever do what is best for his children, even when we don't understand what he is doing or why he is doing it. He is always faithful. He has proved himself to be faithful to me for 30-odd years now. And I know I can continue to trust him through this time, even though I don't understand why he's doing this and what his purpose is. God is always worthy of worship. Job, in the midst of his misery, arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Another unshakable truth is that Christians have no need to fear because nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Neither death, nor life, nor virus, nor angels, nor rulers, nor anything else can separate us from his love. You are safe. You are eternally safe. And Christ died to reconcile people to this faithful and loving Father. And his offer of rescue is available to anyone. It matters not who you are, where you live, what you have done. What matters is that you believe. His offer is for whoever would believe. It says in Isaiah that the Lord has bared his holy arm in the sight of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the Lord's salvation. I believe the Lord has bared his arm now to show his salvation to the ends of the earth. If you have not put your trust in Jesus Christ before this time, this crisis should be a wake-up call to you. It should make you realize that you have nothing that you can rely on in this world. You have nothing solid in this world to stake your security on. If that describes you, I invite you to put your trust in Jesus Christ today, right now. Come to him as you are. Frightened, confused, ashamed, guilty, it doesn't matter. Come to him as you are, for he will turn away none who come to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray firstly for those who are affected by this virus sweeping the world. I pray for health. I pray for protection. I pray for those who have lost loved ones already, that you would comfort them. I pray for those who are sick at the moment. Would you bring healing to them, Lord? In spite of all the chaos around us, Father, because of all the chaos around us, we put our trust in you. We put our trust in your care, in your faithfulness, in your plans and your purposes for our lives and for this world. Would you burn out of us consuming fire of God anything that is impure and offensive to you? Would you burn out of us doubt and fear and unbelief? And I pray, Lord, for those among us who haven't yet found peace in the midst of this crisis, would you spirit of peace, wash over them with true peace. May the peace of Christ rule in their hearts. And I pray for those who don't know peace because they don't know you, Jesus. Shine the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ into their hearts and their minds so that they would know the peace that surpasses all understanding. And Lord, I ask for open doors for us to comfort our neighbours, our friends, our strangers. Give us wisdom, Lord, to know how best to serve them and how to serve them both practically and spiritually. And I ask, Lord, for a spirit of generosity to sweep over and through all your people. May we Christians be the most generous with our finances, with our hearts, and with our love, so that the mighty name the wonderful name of Jesus Christ may be known in this nation. In his name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Next week, Normal Transmission will resume and Mike will be sharing with us on the attributes of God. I trust you have a great and a safe week and I trust you're able to uh, open your hearts and your lives to encourage others In this time of crisis. Amen. Thanks for listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au.